Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In today's show, we cover the five biggest news stories from the world of Formula One. This week are... Benotto's out, now what next for Ferrari? Ricardo's back home, but should he ever have left? The future's bright, the future's British racing green. If I had to do the same again, I might not, my friend Fernando. And new looks in F2, F3 and FE. Hello, my name is Ron Mylander, and you're listening to the Formula Birds podcast. Hi, I'm Rosanna Tennant, and you are listening to the incredible Cut to the Race podcast. Hi, I'm Jordan King, and you're listening to the Formula Nerds podcast. Hi, I'm Brophy. You're listening to the Cut to the Race podcast. It's lights out, and away we go! Welcome to News from the Nerds, the midweek news show brought to you by the Formula Nerds. Every Wednesday, we update you on everything you need to know from the world of F1. We are the Formula Nerds news team. Make sure you keep up to date with all the latest news by visiting our website at formulanerds.com. I'm James, and I sincerely apologise for the ABRA reference in that intro. As ever, I'm joined by Sam, who I presume hated that pun at least as much as the Hulk one last week. I'm particularly pleased that you... um decided to apologise before I had a chance to chastise you for it. Um, yeah. But I, I like the continuation from ABBA, obviously, um, being a, livery, a, a sponsor on which team's livery was it from the quiz? ATG, oh. I want to say. A, a, oh. Was it ACS, I think? Anyway. AGS? Yeah, ABBA <laughs> once, uh, once featured on, a, on, a, on an F1 livery, which is our fun fact for the day. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, just to clarify, I'm not an ABBA fan. Uh, my girlfriend's entire family are, so I guess that's just been hammered into my head. But from ABBA to Abby, Abby, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm good. I'm, I'm getting all my dodgy segues out of the way in this show. Uh, and finally, we have the Comeback King. It's back again. Bridge, how is it going? I'm all good. Yeah, I'm making making a habit out of these comebacks, aren't I? I only pop up every couple of weeks. But um, but yeah, I'm all good. How are you, James? No one's asked you that. 
I'm good, I'm good. Uh, but yeah, uh, we'll get underway with you, Bridge, and some news about your beloved Scuderia. Yes. Well, alas, it is finally official. Ferrari team principal, or ex-team principal, shall I say now, Mattia Bonotto will be leaving the team with immediate effect, ending his stint as the big boss at Maranello. Uh, in a statement release on Tuesday morning, Bonotto has said that he is obviously very sad uh, to be leaving the team. He has been a part of for 28 years, uh, but has made every effort to achieve the objectives set to him in that time. So obviously it's sad to see him go and we wish him all the best. But now, guys, it is time to talk replacements. Uh, obviously, there's been several big names that have reportedly been approached for the position, including including uh, McLaren's Andre Seidel, uh, who has already turned it down, uh, Red Bull's Christian Horner, which is a surprise to us all, I think, and even the recently retired Ross Braun, uh, who we all know has a decorated past with Ferrari already. Uh, but the most realistic choice appears to be Alfa Romeo's Fred Vasseur, who will reportedly be announced as the new Ferrari boss in the new year, according to Sky Sports. Uh, now, I'll throw it to the floor. What do you think about this move from Benotto, and what will Vasseur have to do to make this Ferrari team work? I think for Benotto, it's the right time for him to leave. Obviously, 2022 started off on a great foot for the team. They were fighting at the front, fighting for the championship, and then things went downhill obviously like Leclerc said that they can't forget their mid-season issues they have to overcome them and I am sad to see Bonotto go he seems like a lovely guy but I feel for Ferrari is the right step they need to with Vasseur coming in what they need to do is just make sure that they continue going forward because yes 2022 didn't go how, quite how they liked but it is a step forward from previous years so whoever comes in as Bonotto's replacement just needs to make sure that they don't go backwards and that Ferrari continue going forwards. Yeah, I mean, it's it kind of feels quite harsh on Bonotto. Like, and I think I said at the time it, it felt like an inevitability, like it had to happen. But obviously they've had a lot of problems this year. But when you look at them compared to where they were in the last two years, it's, you know, they they produced arguably the best car at the start of the new regulations, at least for the, the first half of the season. So... Yeah, I don't know. I, for me, I think it would have been great if Bonotto could have stayed on in some kind of technical role rather than leaving entirely. But maybe that's a, a tricky thing to achieve. How do you go from team principal to any other role? Yeah, it kind of somewhat implies that there's stuff going on behind the scenes that we don't necessarily know about. Has his relationship with Charles Leclerc broken down to the extent that has been rumoured or another rumour that's been circling is that he hasn't made the changes that need to be made in order to make the team more functional and perform at a higher level, which obviously has been their biggest issue this year. The car is 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 a quick car. It's the strategy calls, it's other blunders. So is it maybe stuff in that kind of realm that he hasn't been clinical enough to 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 do? Uh which means that you need to kind of yeah change the direction, bring someone else in who maybe is willing to make those tough calls. I think, especially for Ferrari, it is they need someone who can just complete that last piece of the puzzle. Because obviously, you know, the past few years before the regulations, they struggled with the car. You know, they had the drivers, but they didn't have the car to keep up with the likes of Red Bull and Mercedes. Now they have those two pieces of the puzzle. On track is sorted. They just now need to sort out what's happening off track. And I think man management is just what they need. Um, as a Ferrari fan, it's it's it hurts a little bit to not see an Italian be in that role and do that role well. 
Um, and I'm sure it hurts Bonotto as well. Obviously, you know, being an Italian, that's part of your, your the whole culture of being an Italian is that, you know, you're, you're a Ferrari fan. You're born and bred. So the fact it hasn't really worked out is really sad. Um, but yeah, hopefully Vasseur can come in if it is Vasseur. And he's already got that pre-existing relationship with Charles from his days at Sauber. So, you know, hopefully it's up and up from there. The thing with Vasseur, I read that he told... Um... He told a media outlet that all good projects have been built around a reference driver. And whilst it is good that he has that relationship with Leclerc, it does raise questions as to how science would fit into that and whether he would focus on Leclerc being the number one driver and kind of just science as the number two, because I don't see science settling for number two. I see Leclerc and science being equal. So it'll be interesting to see how the dynamic, if the sir does come in, would work. Science has been slept on at every stop of his F1 career. And he's often been kind of disregarded as someone who isn't able to compete with the quote unquote elite talent within the sport. So I think, I think for him, it's just a case of saddle up, prove yourself again. And, you know, to, to get to an elite level of sport, you need to have that mentality anyway. So I think he will kind of rise to the challenge and I, it might cause tensions within, within the scene, but it also could get the best out of both Charles and Carlos. Yeah, totally. I mean, if he if Carlos shows up and wins three of the first four races, he's not going to be a number two driver, is he? Uh, yeah, it could be an interesting thing for Vasseur if that is the way things go uh, to have to deal with early on. But from old faces leaving to old faces returning, Abby. Yeah, so as everyone in the F1 world should know by now, Daniel Ricciardo is rejoining Red Bull Racing as their reserve driver, their third driver. And he said that it feels like he's going home and Zach Brown, obviously of McLaren has said that he thinks that with Ricardo rejoining Red Bull, it gives him the best opportunity. It's the best option for Ricardo to take a year out, be with Red Bull, be the third driver, because he feels that Ricardo could potentially do what Nick DeVries did this year. If Verstappen or Perez were unable to race, Ricardo could step in, get into that racey, and then he could become hot property if he shows what talent he has. But it was interesting because Verstappen has said that Ricardo should never have left Red Bull when he did in 2018. He said that he should have stayed. And Red Bull wanted Ricardo to be happy. They all wanted the best for him. And he felt that that was for, Red, for Ricardo to stay with Red Bull. So do you guys agree with Verstappen? Should Ricardo have ever have left? And do you think that being a reserve driver, which Lewis Hamilton said Ricardo is too talented, a role, well, Ricardo is too talented to be the reserve driver, do you think that gives him the best option? I think for for Ricardo, it is, you know, he wants to stay on the merry-go-round. He wants to stay in the circus. So absolutely, you know, even being a reserve driver is the best opportunity for him. Um, I I don't agree with Max at all. I think Red Bull made very clear that Max was their future. You know, when you sign someone that young and you put, you say all these things in the media that determine that he is your future. You're alienating that second driver. I mean, we've seen it. We've seen it with everyone that stepped into that second seat at Red Bull. So for someone like Daniel and for someone as talented as Daniel, he needed to move. He needed to go somewhere else. But I think it's just bad luck that's followed him around to all these other teams. Um, Renault probably should have worked out for him, but again, bad luck plagued him there. And then, you know, he made a great move to McLaren and 
Lando Norris comes out of nowhere and starts being, you know, one of the best drivers on the grid. So it's, yeah, it's all bad luck, I think. I, I agree with Bridge, but I also don't agree with Bridge at the same time. Um, you know, <laughs> people are incredibly perceptive. I think Daniel could tell that the the tides were turning against him at Red Bull. Um, and especially what's difficult is it's not like he came in to that team and know, knew that he had to compete with Verstappen. He was the future at Red Bull. And then Verstappen comes along, obviously gets promoted sooner than and you know initially planned. And there was kind of nowhere left for him to develop from there. So I think the move to Renault was absolutely the right move. I think we maybe remember that time more favorably than is fair. You know, he, he got podiums for them. He was very competitive, especially in 2020. Um, the move to McLaren, in hindsight, was a mistake. Uh, he maybe didn't give the Renault project long enough. And also, it's not that he came into McLaren and Lando was just better. He came into McLaren and, and he underperformed whilst Lando overperformed, outperformed that car. So it was a, a catalogue of things that kind of has has led to this point. Um, but he absolutely made the right call to to leave Red Bull. You've got to gamble. Some drivers get lucky. Lewis went to Mercedes at the right time. Fernando Alonso has maybe been unlucky in some of his career moves. And that's a part of what separates a, you know, a, a world champion who's got you know, you know, four or five championships and say Fernando, who's got two, it was career moves. And you guys have pretty much covered everything I was going to say point by point, one by one. But yeah, I know it's, it's, it's where Danny is in his career now. He, like you say, needs to stay relevant and there's no way he would have, he would have expected to leave Red Bull and be coming back, what, four years later in a reserve role. But yeah, it does keep you relevant. We've seen you can get your way back into a seat. You can, okay, People leaving through COVID is less likely in terms of super sub appearances now, but it looks like he's got the deal he wanted as well. He doesn't want to go to all 24 races. He'll be doing a lot of promotional stuff. He's obviously such a great character for the the Red Bull team. So I think it works out for everyone. At this point, it was it was definitely better than kind of going around in a car towards the back. Moving on from the Constructors' Champions to the team that finished seventh but have far bigger ambitions for the future, Aston Martin. And those ambitions are in part due to their new Game Changer factory. The perennial underdogs, as Jordan, Force India and so on, now have significant funding from Lawrence Stroll and the goal is to have the 37,000 square metre site around the existing factory at Silverstone up and running, at least in part, by next year. Stroll explained he wanted the factory to be the reverse of what Ron Dennis did with the McLaren Technology Centre, prioritising function over aesthetics. It's being built in three chunks, the first of which is set to be completed in May. That will be the main building for the race team where the car will be designed and out of which all the major operations will be conducted. Second building will be home to the new wind tunnel that's set for 2024. And the third, an employee experience and event space. It all sounds great in principle, but more importantly, will it have the desired effect on their performance? I mean, it sounds amazing. Like you say, it sounds sounds great. It sounds like it's going to be a great facility for people to work at. It's obviously attracted, you know, Fernando Alonso to join them next year, but you know, (laughs) having the best facilities doesn't necessarily mean you're going to build the best car. I mean, I've been a Ferrari fan for years, so I, I, I'm, you know, I'll give you firsthand experience of that, but it's, yeah, it's, it's going to be difficult. I think it's uh, to say they're going to challenge, you know, towards the top when they finish where they finished this year, maybe a bit too big of a step, 
but you know, I'm I'm hopeful because you know the more teams we have fighting at the front, the more exciting it is for us. So hopefully, it's not all just claims. Well, Sergio Perez certainly has faith in Aston Martin, like you said, but he said that they'll be fighting at the front with Carlos and with Red Bull. And I think I think I said on the race view last time that Aston Martin have this amazing potential to do really well. I think Lawrence Stroll said that they had a five-year plan to create a race-winning car, a championship-winning car. And by the looks of this factory with the three buildings and having bridges connecting them and everything that's involved, it certainly seems like they are very dedicated and on that route to actually become champions. But I don't think I don't think 2023 will see them quite at the front of the field like some people are expecting. I think it will take time and a lot of effort, but it certainly seems that Aston Martin are definitely on their way. Yeah, it, to me, it feels a little bit like Sergio Perez is being strategically complimentary as he tries to shore up his next career move, uh, perhaps. Um, but That's a good point. I haven't thought about that. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, you, you've always got to play the politics in F1. Um, but for me, I said this the other day, the Aston Martin project, them breaking through into, the, into a top team feels more like a when rather than an if, whereas you've got some other teams who are maybe ahead of them in the midfield who... I don't know. I'm just, I'm not as convinced that they will get to, to where they're all obviously trying to go. So yeah, I think it's an exciting time for, for Aston Martin. It maybe is, yeah, too soon next year to ex- expect them to be there. Uh, but you know, who wouldn't love to see British racing green at the front of the field? I know that I would have loved for Jaguar to have been there, uh, in their few years in the sport, but hopefully Aston Martin can, uh, can crack through. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where they go. I mean, Lawrence Stroll doesn't strike you as someone who's going to accept failure. Uh, and he doesn't also seem like someone who's going to bail out of the project because obviously he's very invested financially, but also with his son in the seat. And it seems to be their dream as a family. But does he have the expertise? Will it be a case of maybe repeatedly it not quite going right? And yeah, I mean, it, it seems like a, a fairly logical thing in the five-year plan that you mentioned, Abby. Uh, yeah. We'll, we'll just have to wait and see. It's so hard to predict. Everyone thought McLaren were going to keep their upward trajectory and then they just have, they kind of obviously didn't really nail the regulations in the same way that people thought they might this year. I mean, we spoke about needing to make the kind of critical and difficult decisions earlier on in the podcast. You very much get the impression that uh, Lawrence Stroll is someone who will do that. A year ago, we thought him replacing Otmar Safnau was a, a crazy move. And, you know, it still it raised eyebrows and understandably so, but it shows that he is willing to make tough calls if he feels he needs to. So yeah, you're going to get a few of those wrong, but you only need to get, you need to get fewer right and ultimately to to be able to then kind of progress through the the field. So yeah, you can expect him to, uh, to be very much on it in that sense. I know, I know we hate saying it, but running teams like a business historically has done very well. Chris Horner runs his team like a business. Toto Wolff runs his team like a business. And, you know, they get the results. Lawrence Stroll is running his team exactly the same way. I feel like he's, you know, he runs it like a businessman. So it'll be it'll be hard to argue if he does get the results. Did you just say Chris Horner? I was about Christian I knew Horner. you were going to say Christian that. Christian Horner. I've never heard his That's what his I've friends call him. him. He's saved in my phone as Chris. I was like, so sorry. Good. He's, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Overly familiar. There, there. <laughs> <laughs> the 
apologies. Well, Christian yeah, Horner. I mean, it would be, of course, great news uh, for a certain Fernando Alonso if they were fighting at the front. Uh, Sam, I know you were expecting big things from this segue, but one of my last of the year was probably the easiest, too easy, if anything. Alonso will start afresh with Aston next year, and as we know, he hasn't left Alpine on the best terms. Things boiled over as he and teammate Esteban Ocon came together twice in Brazil, and now with Alonso out the door, Ocon hasn't been holding back. In a recent interview with a French newspaper, he said, To be honest, I did 98% of the work and he did 2%. I was overworked, I did all the development work in the simulator, and I also did the marketing activities. It's good that he's going to Aston Martin and that we can each go our own way. No love lost there. What do you make of all of that? Do you believe him? I mean, sorry to jump in on something unrelated, but I do need to address the segue. If it was a good segue, I would have let the Abba to Abbey slide uh, from what you said earlier, (laughs) but I'm going to have to raise a formal complaint on that one. That was, uh, yeah. It's too (laughs) easy. You can't make a good segue when it's about a a driver leaving a team you're already talking about. Fair, fair. But yeah, anyway, I'll, uh, I'll step back out now that I've made my point. Yeah, I think we've obviously seen on-track tensions between Ocon and Alonso and we've heard from numerous sources that Ocon isn't exactly the easiest driver to get along with as a teammate but I don't think Alonso is either but you're always going to get some tension between teammates they're never going to be best friends I think to say I did 98% of the work and Alonso did 2% we would never really know whether that's true or not I feel like Ocon may have done more of the work, but I don't think it's quite just Alonso doing 2%. Maybe going to Aston Martin and leaving Alpine, both of them going their separate ways, is a good thing because then we can actually see them not become like best friends, but kind of have a amicable relationship and fight normally on track. Um, but yeah, I don't really know about what Ocon said. It's it's difficult to say whether it's whether I believe it completely or not. I mean, it's almost certainly hyperbole, right? Um, but it feels a little bit like those comments that Alonso made after the Brazilian Grand Prix have somewhat festered, and Ocon's kind of been this kind of yeah. been sitting there, this residual kind of resentment, and he thought, "Nah, I'm going to say something." Um, and yeah, I mean, I don't ninety ninety eight to two is you know a very stark um, difference, so I don't think that is based in reality but I can imagine there's potentially an element of Alonso turns up has this gravitas about him maybe at this stage in his career isn't investing as much as Ocon is in the team and kind of you know, in, the, in that development work and so Ocon maybe feels a little bit kind of hard done by it by the fact that again you know it's like Alonso's coming as the star pupil and has just aced his exams whereas Ocon's done all of this revision so I, I think that's probably where you, you've got some of that from with Ocon. Um, but it, it creates a, an intriguing narrative going into next season. So, you know, let let the tension grow. I think Fernando's Fernando was very uh, clear on his frustrations with that Alpine this year. I, I think I lost count of how many times, you know, he went out when it wasn't his fault. Um, I don't know where he'd be in the championship, depending on, you know, all those, all those points that he lost out on. Um, and I think, you know, even if he did take a seat back, a bit of a backseat on the development of the car, that, you know, these guys are highly, highly competitive. And if he knew early in the year, right, I'm sick of this, I'm going. If he knew that, you know, knowing Alonso and knowing that <laughs> he's this ultimate competitor, maybe you would do 2% of the work 
and not, you know, push Alpine and give his give his word on different bits and pieces if he already knows he's off somewhere else. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And I mean, we've seen him burn bridges in a front running car just through spite. So it, it wouldn't be a surprise. It's amazing how far they've fallen since their, you know, halcyon days of uh, that win in Hungary. And it all seemed like it was going perfectly. But we'll move on. And whilst we're all having to get used to Alonso in green next year, there are plenty more changes afoot in the junior series and a bigger change for Formula E as a whole. Isn't that right, Sam? Yes, absolutely. So I'll start with with Formula E because at the the dawn of Gen 3 Season 9, there has been a rebrand, uh, which is very exciting. Um, it, you know, lots of comments on social media said it looks quite Eurovision-esque, uh, which I, I feel like many people were rightly a fan of. Uh, so that's good to see. So yeah, exciting times for that series. Um, and also a little segue or kind of a crossover, I think is more appropriate between uh, Formula 2 and Formula E is the latest Formula E and the last driver to be announced for the grid for Gen 3 is Jake Hughes. Um, so he will be joining the McLaren team, uh, which obviously has taken over the Mercedes entry uh, for next season. He had half a year with uh, with VAR in F2 this season, performed really valiantly in a team that was new to the series, stepped away mid-season to focus on Formula E. Uh, he's yeah, for a while had his eyes set um, on on the all electric championship. So it's it really good to see that he's uh, managed to get that seat. Um, and yeah, he was up against some some other very formidable drivers, Oliver Turvey, for example, um, who has plenty of experience in the series. So that's really good news for him. Um, but also there are changes in Formula Two and Formula Three. And this one as well is a, a another really positive development. So PHM Racing has taken over Shrews' entry. Um, they're still going to be working together, so it'll be PHM Racing by Shrews. And uh, what's notable about this is that PHM Racing is actually the only non-profit team on the grid, uh, which is an exciting advancement in you know in my view. Um, what do you guys think? Do you think? Uh, we could see more of this to come, especially obviously with drivers paying their way in Formula 2 and Formula 3. I certainly think so. I think with PHM, they came third and third and second in three different Formula 4 championships. So I think coming into Formula 2 and Formula 3, there will be high expectations. I think depending on whether more, depending on their performance, we'll see whether more non-profit organisations come in, but it's certainly a step forward for the feeder series. And it will be interesting to see how PHM and Sharoos work together. And obviously they've announced their drivers, I believe, Roy Nassani and Brad Benavides, who will be making the move up to F3 from F3. So I'm glad mm-hmm. that Benavides is moving up and Nassani obviously still has a seat. So it'll be interesting to see how the partnership works. Going back to the Formula E news, it is great to see Jake Hughes get a seat. As you said, Sam, he did leave F2 midway through the season. And it's nice to see that his focus on Formula E has worked and he's paid off and he's actually got a seat with McLaren, which as a new as a new season, a new era, a new team, it will be great to see. And with the logo, I think it's actually quite nice because you're coming into the Gen 3 era. You've got a new grid, new teams, new drivers, new city. So it kind of... It marks the fresh start for the championship. Oh, completely. And yeah, with Jake Hughes, I actually sat down with him over the weekend of the London E-Prix last year. And he was, he had just recovered from COVID. So he was missing the the F2 round in Hungary. 
Uh, and yeah, we we spoke about you know his his season so far and that focus on on Formula E. And, and you know, obviously, a few weeks later, it was announced that he wouldn't be returning to VAR for the second half of the F two season. So yeah, really great news there. Um, also, yeah, Nissani and Benavides, an interesting blend of youth and experience uh, there. So hopefully, that kind of is a. Uh, a productive lineup for them. They had a, a strong year with Enzo Fittipaldi, uh, Shrews did in F2. But again, it is the silly season for F2 and F3. So Christian Mansell as well, who, again, another link here, did race around four Shrews in F3 last season. Um, he has been announced as a Campos racing driver in F3 next season. Performed really well at testing in Jerez in September. Um, and I think, yeah, he'll be uh, one to watch for sure. Yeah, you've covered pretty much everything. I'll just I'll give my take on the uh, on the new logo. I I think it was a bit of a weird move to go to handwritten. It doesn't feel very electric to me. But I, yeah, I think some people were overly harsh on it online. I, I think it's it's a, a pretty decent one. And I think the new graphics that they've uh, that have they've leaked to be honest. But yeah, the new graphics that are kicking around on the internet look great as well. So that'll yeah. be brilliant for the coverage. They're really good. I think the the logo is a bit of a grower. I think with time, people will be like, actually, no, I do really like it. But new things always take a bit of time to get used to, right? Yeah, well, I tell you what, you, you kind of worked me into a segue there, Sam, you'll be pleased to know. We're talking about the, the start of uh, a new era for Formula E. This might be the end somewhat of the new show for this year. If there is some huge news, we'll be back to tell you all about it. But F1 looks set to head quietly into Christmas this year and we'll be doing the same. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to head over to FormulaNerds.com and all the Formula Nerds socials to find out the latest on these and any other stories. And whilst it's good night for now from the new show, we will be back with the Cut to the Race podcast. It was the first half of our season review last weekend and we'll be finishing it off this weekend. Then we have a Formula Nerds award show and some very exciting guests waiting in the wings. Maybe people who are less busy at this time of year. Who knows? But anyway, for now, Sam, Abby, Bridge, thanks for joining me throughout the year. Thank you for hosting us. Yeah, thank you. It's been fun talking about all the news with you guys. Yeah, thank you for the opportunity to come back once again. It's been great to have you back, Bridge, and to have you most of the time, Sam and Abby. Uh, But yeah, until (laughs) we're... Welcome. Uh, yeah, until whenever we do come back, it's lights out, mics off, and away we go until maybe 2023. See you then. You're listening to the Cut to the Race podcast. It's lights out, and away we go. Sports Social Podcast Network.